I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi everyone, I'm so excited about today's episode of Beauty Bosses with the amazing Caitlin Kiernan. She is the beauty director of Star magazine and also the author of um, a pretty really sick. a really awesome yeah. book about cancer recovery called yeah. Pretty Sick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of your podcast, so. Well, and now you're here on it. Um, I'm so excited to have you. Here I am. Here you are. (laughs) Um, So I think the most fascinating thing about you is your role in the magazine world. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I am the beauty director of Star and OK Magazines. Uh, I do both. And uh, yeah, I write about beauty. I get to interview celebrities and their glam squads. And it's a pretty fun job, I gotta say. I like talk about beauty and write about beauty all day long. And I love it. I am fully immersed in the beauty world. That's awesome. (laughs) What do you think the biggest difference is between Star and OK, if you're going to characterize it? I think the readers. I think Star is a a more mature reader. um, And I think OK... I think Star is a more mature reader that likes to have the information of what's happening, the trends and all that, with the science behind it, um, and wants service-based solutions. You know, she's an older woman, so she's starting to experience fine lines and wrinkles and and um, wants to know how to put on makeup to last throughout the day during her busy life, raising her children. The OK Reader is a little bit more, it's younger, is a little bit more trend-focused, um, so there's definitely two different perspectives. So, you know, the OK reader is going to want to know what's going down the runway um, during Fashion Week and how to get in on that trend. So, and those trends. So, there are two different readers, which is actually kind of great for me because there's two different perspectives that I get to explore. Like, I love trends, but I'm also that, you know, I'm a little bit of that older reader, really. You know, I'm in that. Um, age bracket. So I, I like to be able to serve as both. That's so cool because you don't want to serve just one segment of the population. There are a lot of people with yeah. different kinds of concerns. Totally. Okay, so what I really want to ask you about is why we are so obsessed with celebrities. And all of us are. Even people who pretend they're not secretly are. Yeah. Because there's something so fascinating about it. And I've thought a lot about this, but I thought there would be no better person than the beauty director of OK and Star to ask about, (laughs) explain celebrity to us and why we care so much. You know, it's a really good question. I think because we see their lives displayed you know, we see every aspect of their life displayed. I think, you know, you see a celebrity without makeup and then, and you see how like rough they can look and then you see them with makeup and they look so glamorous on the red carpet and you, it's relatable. It's like, to me, it's, it's like, I know people are, will like laugh at me for this, but like, I love the cellulite stories because to me, I'm like, they're just like, they really are just like me. I know. I am like, see, that gorgeous person has cellulite and she manages to be able to wear clothes and jeans and skirts and look phenomenal. To me, it's like, it really does give me hope. It's like your own personal princess diaries where you're like, 
Yeah, if I just had a glam squad, then I would be right there on the red carpet. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, you probably would be. I feel like you look like you belong in OK Magazine. Well, thank you very much, but it's a lot of work. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of work to get it. But that's why, you know, you don't realize the work that goes into these people. They have hair and makeup and dermatologists and surgeons and fashion stylists and trainers and nutritionists and drivers. They have something for every need, which is why they look so amazing. But I do feel like they um, they really are trend drivers because people can see them wearing a red lipstick and they look gorgeous in it and it they people instantly want to get in on that. You know, it's when you look at like the Kardashians, they have really moved the needle of like a lot of different industries from fashion, high fashion, low fat, you know, low end fashion, makeup, hair, the the now the reality that everybody's wearing hair pieces and, and wigs and it, you know like it's like your hair piece I mean Ariana Grande's new song Seven Rings talks about how she just bought her new hair you know and that's all from that celebrity influence which is really it's um it really is amazing yeah and it's totally changed the world right yeah I mean I remember in my own adolescence which was it feels like a long time ago but it wasn't like that long ago it was a totally different kind of person that we were putting on a pedestal and putting on the cover of a magazine. Totally. And it's, you know, people say horrible things about the Kardashians and Jenners and all of these celebrities. And, you know, we'll talk about trolling in a minute. Yeah. But <laughs> you have to give them credit for totally broadening yeah. what society thinks of as beautiful, yeah. right? They're yeah. like, you know, five foot something, um, curvy ethnically diverse appearing, Mm -hmm. you know, putting into the world like a darker kind of beauty and, you know, you don't have to be a a willowy, super stick thin supermodel anymore. I will say this about the Kardashians, you know, I've worked with every single one of them from Kim, Chloe, Courtney, I've I've done photo shoots and um, projects with every single one of them and I will say this about them, A, they are extremely hardworking family they totally. if you have a nine o'clock call time they are, have, are arriving at 8 45 and they are ready to go they are they are really I have to say I admire the work ethic like even if you don't like what they stand for or whatever and that's your own thing at the end of the day you got to appreciate the hustle they're not out getting in trouble causing issues you know they're waking up they're rising and grinding they really are so a I admire that B, I, I love the fact that, you know, now there are curvy girls represented in the marketplace. And there, you know, now it's like beauty companies are held to an accountability of making sure that when they release a foundation or a concealer shade that they are representing that it is an inclusive line. And I really hand it to celebrities like the Kardashians who have really driven that those, you know, movements. And so... I, what I don't love about the Kardashians, and this is really kind of like, I feel like they do so much cosmetic stuff and act like it's, they're not doing it that to me, I would just love it more if they would be more transparent about that stuff because everybody knows you're doing it, but to like act like you're just working out to like get that better body and that's not really what's happening. But you know, to each his own, everybody, that's a private decision. So, but I, I, you know, I listen, 
I'm not I'm not a hater. I I am down for the Kardashian Jenner squads. I really am. Same here. And sometimes sometimes I get a little bit of flack from my patient population and I understand that everyone has their own unique tastes and mm-hmm. anatomic characteristics mm-hmm. and desired mm-hmm. outcomes and so forth. But I totally agree with you. I really love hardworking people in business. Totally. I love women who mm-hmm. are empowered and empower other women. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea that you can be your own kind of beautiful. You yeah. know, I, I take care of patients who are all over the spectrum in terms of um, who they are, male, female, older, younger, you know, skinnier, fuller. And I think that one thing that's been very cool about celebrity in 2019 is that there's so many different kinds of celebrities more than ever before that you can find someone who maybe doesn't look exactly like you, but maybe looks like a photoshopped idealized version of you. Yeah. Yeah, And that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. It's different. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, listen, I, uh, I'm all for it. And I also like that there's a different, there's different celebrities in achieving celebrity. Like maybe, you know, some people will say, well, it's just famous and it's just celebrity. It's not, you know, it's not backed by anything. But I think those people really under, you know, underappreciate and underestimate girls like the Kardashians and other even other reality or like bloggers and influencers there's always like a kind of unless than an influencer but those people get up every single day and they are working their tails off and they are you know there is a lot of work and grind and daily preparation that goes into that stuff and I don't think you can just dismiss that we're in a different time and age and it's like you know, I think we have to be appreciative and, and respectful of all those people because they all each bring something to the table. You have a very unique voice in celebrity because, at least in my opinion, media is not just about reporting stuff. It's also about making stuff happen. So in a way, by being the beauty director of Star and OK, you can architect a little bit of who is famous and like you can make a celebrity yeah in virtue of choosing to put someone on the cover of your magazine or yeah. do a full spread on who they are yeah I mean listen I don't take credit for that I really you know hand that off to our bosses who have a much better vision of that but I, I do see what you're I do know what you're saying and I do think you know um like if you're gonna cover Fenty Beauty versus the Kylie Lip Kit versus Mented versus Flesh versus all these different kinds of um, new makeup lines in the mm-hmm. diversified beauty category, mm-hmm. whoever you choose to cover, you're kind of showing love, showing yeah, love, and you're yeah. sealing their fate a little bit. It's true. I I think listen. I think that we have a hand in it, but I think hair and makeup people do too. I mean. For example, you look at Lupita and Nick Barros, who's her makeup artist, does really awesome, wild, takes chances doing her makeup. And, um, you know, that kind of stuff, when it's unique on the red carpet, really gets our gets our attention and keeps the pages fresh. And I think that, um, you know, when you have good hair and makeup people, too, when celebrities have people that are willing to take chances and risks and do interesting things... You know, Adir Abergel, who's a celebrity hairstylist who does, like, uh, Jessica Biel and, you know, a ton of gorgeous A-listers, does really cool things with chains in the hair. Just, like, you know, so I 
I don't want to take, you know, I yes, I have a hand in it, but I think it like it comes in in a lot of different ways. It's like a chicken egg argument. Like you have to be someone to be covered, yeah. but then and you have to do something cool, yeah. but then you can magnify it and amplify it. I, I agree. I, I I know what you're saying, and I I think it's true. I think there's you know, editors have a lot of sway in in what gets shown and what's, um, but it has to be good to be shown. So yeah. Why do you think we're so mean to celebrities, not just in terms of trolling, but also in some of the articles that are like, you know, those cellulite articles and the cringy photos of people who look awful and there's a tabloid piece about like, what horrible thing did they do? What, you know, internet commenters do it, but then we also do it as a society. Why? Yeah. I don't know. I think, um, you know, I think... I think internet trolls are people that long for the to take down. You know, I think when you see someone so happy and living a great life, living their best self, living their best life, I think the you know it's automatically to judge it, and it's that's an unfortunate thing. I think the internet, you know, Instagram. You hear about celebrities going off of Twitter and Instagram and taking a break, and it's. Um, I think we have gotten to a place where we put a lot of emphasis on it. And it's unfortunate because it does sway a lot of power when it comes back at you um, in whatever way. It's it's harsh and it's hard to deal with it. And it's like, how do you deal with it? I mean, it's just like you're dealing with this population of people you can't see or hear. You know, you just see their comments. And it's very, uh, people are, it's a, people don't really think about what they say before they put it out there. Yeah, there's an anonymity that kind of brings out a little bit of yeah, meanness in totally. people. Yeah, totally. And it's unfortunate, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm a doctor, but for whatever reason, I have Instagram trolls. And it's like, I'm like, is this even life? I'm like a doctor and a mom and like That's a regular. So I'm like, it's just not crazy. It is. But crazy. it's just like people get really into a niche and then yeah. it becomes insane. I always just feel bad for people that do that because I'm thinking to myself when I read those comments, like, how sad is your life that you have to leave a negative comment about somebody else? Right. I you know. know. It's like fascinating. Take right? that energy, that five minutes, and like, better yourself yeah I heard I read something somewhere that was like just be happy it will drive everybody else crazy like that's like that's living well is the best revenge and it's true it's absolutely true so on the topic of living well I wanted to ask you about your book which is amazing and thank you so much for sending it to me um will you tell us a little bit more about pretty sick I was actually looking for it on my shelf because I want to get you to sign it before you leave it's right there yeah you have a really impressive bookshelf um it it was born out of you know I'm a breast cancer survivor I was diagnosed um when I was a beauty director and when I started going through treatment, you know, listen, doctors are great. They're there to save your life. They're not telling you how to fix your hair or deal with your nails, you know, as your nails are lifting and your hair is falling out and like you're dealing with scars and scar tissue. And, um, and so when I started going through treatment, I started calling on all of my, the experts that I dealt with on stories. I would shoot them an email and say, Hey, listen, you know, between you and me, I'm getting ready to start chemo. What can I do about my hair when it starts to fall out? What's what should be the plan? And um, it, as each thing came up, I just had all these amazing, you know, celebrity experts, these top tier people, derms, hairstylists, makeup artists, you name it, helping me sort of navigate the side effects. Because, you know, it's not cancer that makes everybody realize you have cancer. It's the side effects. It's the loss of hair and all these things that make you terrible. So it looked terrible looking and, and feel terrible. And... Um, 
towards the end of my treatment, I realized that, you know, it's continued to work and I would hear from people and they'd say, oh, I didn't know you were sick. And I mean, really, I got that a lot. And I finally started saying to myself, like, maybe there's something to all these tips that have helped me navigate hives and like skin that's turning different colors and nails that are like lifting and all the things that are like, you know, really crazy and like change how you completely look, you know, it's like really game changing things. And so I just decided to like write the book and I thought like, I didn't have this information and I'm in the beauty industry. What are people out there? How is the single mom in Alabama navigating this with no help around or like limited resources? And um, and that's when I decided to write it. Totally. And I, I, I sometimes think about this because especially with the cancer diagnosis, obviously the priority number one is saving your life. Of course. But then... As a society, and especially in medicine, we get really caught up in quantity of life and not quality of life. And then it's all like, well, we won, you survived, you're there. But then all of the rapidly growing cells in your body, which include the cancer cells, but also include the skin cells, hair cells, nail cells, they all have a little bit of a a hit. So I feel like it's really nice because in this era, more than any other era, people are concerned about wellness and self-care and not just quantity of days but quality of days well it's not only that it's like you know cancer treatment has come so far you know it used to be back in the day that the nausea would be so bad and maybe you'd get hives really bad or your skin would be really bad and now there are medicines to help you along with all that stuff so now you can feel pretty decent relatively like I was still going to work. So it's like the beauty end of that care, that wellness care hadn't caught up with the medical end of it. So it was like, I was still expected to go to work, but how was I gonna cover up my hives and how was I going to wrap my head with my hair, like not half out and ha- you know, like and how, you know, it, it was, there are a lot of challenges. So it's like, you're not only dealing with like this major health crisis, but you end up dealing with like an identity crisis because your whole body is changing in front of you. Like I didn't recognize myself. So it's really hard to, it's like an emotional burden, but also then a physical burden. And, um, and I felt like the help that I got really made a huge difference in me being able to kind of just face the day every day. Are there a couple of specific tips that stand out in your mind that even for people who may not necessarily be dealing with a cancer diagnosis that you felt like would you know that that you didn't know about and would be helpful for people to integrate into their lives I mean I feel like good skincare obviously this is like a big thing you know like I just think when you are dealing with whether it's a health crisis or maybe you're getting older and you're just starting to notice like the signs of aging, just like really good creams. You can't use serum. You can't use anything with an antioxidant when you're in treatment um, because they help save cells. And the point is to let the cells, you know, the bad cells go, die. So, um, but I, I love that. And I also felt like to me, like my biggest savior beauty wise was um, a really bold lipstick because you could have a chicken sitting on your head and if you have a crazy bold lipstick no one's looking at the chicken <laughs> so I was like this is amazing like, I love it's just bold like, lipstick yeah. I let you have one on today and it looks amazing so it's like to me I love a bold lipstick I also think like a stick foundation is just it can cover anything um, and 
you know, it's opaque, they're thicker. So for me, when I was having skin issues, when my skin, what I called mood skin, because it changed from green to red to yellow, depending on what was, where I was in the cycle of my chemotherapy, that fixed it. So I could literally slide that all over my face and go to work and like no one was the wiser for it. So I don't know, I love that. And I love oils. I feel like when you can't use certain things, if you can't use a retinol, if you can't use an antioxidant, face oils, hair oils, nail oils, oil, oil. I love, I love an oil. Like I just drip in oil at night. I pour oil everywhere. I am gross at night. (laughs) (laughs) But very moisturized. Yes. That's good. But I love an oil. I really do. And I, there are so many like Neutrogena makes a great one. There's like this, it goes, it scales from like really affordable to like super high end luxe. But I love every single one of them. How did you find the time to write a book? Do you give us some tips on like time management and all of that? Because you yeah, were working and going through this recovery yeah. post-cancer. I um, I would get up early in the morning. I mean, I, I wrote it after I was fully done um, with treatment. But I, um, well, yeah, it was the tail end of treatment that I started writing it. Um, I was in my reconstruction phase. Um, but I would get up in the morning. I would get up at 7 in the morning. And I would do interviews. I would do West Coast interviews later in the day and I would do early New York interviews early in the day so I'd get up at seven in the morning and I would do my west coast interview or my east coast interviews in the morning and then at night I would do my west coast interviews so when I would get home from work I would do I would interview people in like LA so they were like it was still like six or five or six for them so I kind of cushioned it and then I wrote on the weekends I would write through the chapter so I do all the interviews during the week and then I would do the chapters. And I would only interview people based on the chapter because I would just kind of focus. Um, and I set aside a deadline. So I did three chapters a month. Um, and I banged it out in like three months, three or four months. That's awesome. Okay, so everyone who's listening who has that novel in them, including yeah. me, yeah, we have to just get it done yeah. because you did it and you're yeah. awesome. Once you start it, it is so much easier. I mean, mine included interviews, but for people that don't need interviews, you could literally like bang out a book. It's like you just have to sit down. You have to make the time. You have to give yourself the deadlines. And I had one, I had one friend who had been an author when I told her that I was thinking about doing the book, she was like, don't be like everybody else and say you're going to do a book. Like sit down and write the book and get the book done. And I, that always stayed with me because I was like, there are so many people that always say like, I want to write a book about, (laughs) you know, I want to write a book about this. I want to write a book about, like they never write the book, write the book. Yeah. Write the book and then talk about it. Yeah. You're not going to make money on the book, but write the book. Write the book for you, you know? Unless you're like a celebrity or like you have a bestseller, like books are just like not the market for money. But it's great to get that out. And I feel like often books are so helpful for people in so many, you know, different ways. So, Okay, well, (laughs) my last question for you, and I feel like you're the best person to talk about this because of your role and also... Um, all of your experiences, but what does beauty mean to you? Um, that's a really interesting question. <laughs> um, no pressure. Me, <laughs> no, you know, beauty to me is um, that's so good. That's such a good question. I just feel like for me, beauty was always a game changer about how I felt about myself. It was a way to bring all of my internal empowerment out. Like, to me, it's a visual thing. I'm talking about makeup when I say that, but 
I feel like there's a different level of beauty because really beauty is about who you are and your kind spirit. Like if you're really not beautiful on the inside, it doesn't matter what you're going to put on your face or what mascara you use or what foundation or who your hair person is. It's really, you'll never be beautiful. So to me, I feel like if you are beautiful on the inside, you'll always be beautiful on the outside. I love that. That's perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. Where can everybody find you? Um, well, you can find me every week on the pages of Star and Okay. <laughs> Pretty sick book and my website, CaitlinKiernan.com. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thank you this for having so me. Yeah, like we could talk all day. Yeah, we could. <laughs>